0: can i be honest with you about something
1: what i got a boogie in my stash no i'm kidding sorry go ahead
0: i was quite offended by what you said about my profession that just because a therapist is being paid they don't actually care let me ask you something would you coach for free yeah i would but do you No, ma'am. And yet you care about your players, right? Yes, ma'am. Then why would you assume it's not the same for me? I don't assume that all coaches are macho dickheads.
1: (laughs) That's a good point. Consider me dunked
2: on. (laughs) (laughs) And look, I'm... I'm really sorry about that, you know, getting all worked up and saying stuff like that, then storming out of here.
0: It happens. Self-care can be scary. Fight or flight is a natural response. You just happen to do both. Impressive range, really.
1: Yeah, well, watch your back, Glenn Close. <laughs> so you think I'm scared, huh?
0: Yes, I do.
2: No. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to learn the truth.
0: Ted, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off.
1: Well, then maybe your new nickname should be the truth.
0: Well, I can't be your mentor without occasionally being your tall mentor.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: I knew you would. (laughs) Let's get started, shall we?
1: Yes, ma'am.
3: Welcome to another episode of the Revisited Podcast.
4: I'm Ben, and I'm Kristen. This week we are covering Ted Lasso season two, episode seven, Headspace. Because you're a head case.
3: <laughs> you know what's funny is I I've for like the past since we start dove, dove into like season two, I've been watching a couple episodes ahead every week. Like I I'll, I'll, can't do it. I stopped. So yeah. This week was finally the first week where I was like, OK, I'm I'm not going to watch ahead. I'm just going to watch the episode we're recording on. And then that's it, because for the past couple of weeks, I would watch the episode we were recording on and then I would watch ahead like the next episode. Yeah. And this week, I'm like, so no, actually, it was last week was the episode I finally stopped watching ahead so that mm-hmm. this week was like the first time I was rewatching this episode, just going to make things very interesting when we get into season three, because I have not rewatched season three. At all.
4: Not even a little bit. So that'll since be fun. It, since
3: it aired. Yeah. Is, the, is episode
4: eight, um, is episode eight beard after hours or after no, dark? No,
3: because Man City comes first.
4: Oh, that's right. That's right.
3: So I think next episode is Man City. And then beard. And then beard after hours. And then, um, it is, oh, what is the name of that episode? Um, um, It's the, I don't want to say too much for people that are watching, but I'll just say it's the funeral episode. Yeah, it's, yeah, next episode is Man City. Beard After Hours is episode nine. And then No Weddings in a Funeral is episode 10. Okay. That's where I made the never going to give you up reference last week.
4: Never going to give you up. There is the fattest bird on a wire outside my window right now. Holy does cow! It? Like no, he landed on the on the wire, and it's very top wire, and the whole thing sagged down.
3: Does <laughs> Does that bird on a wire start Goldie Hawn and Shut Kurt up. Russell?
4: The minute I said it, I knew you were going to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Anyways. you were going to be an asshole.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, was I wrong? Nope. No, I was. I was an asshole. Sorry. Just
4: said, don't be a nate about it. <laughs>
3: Hey. I know I, that's
4: that's mean. That's just straight up mean. After this episode that is very mean. I know, and I didn't is, mean it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Uh so last week, forgive me. Uh, you're forgiven. Thank you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so last week we did we We spent a lot of time together last week because we recorded Ted Lasso (laughs) and then we recorded Wilhelm's Best Our Favorites of 2023 episode, which clocked in at three hours and four minutes.
4: I. That means you didn't even edit anything.
3: Oh, no, no. I did. It took a lot of editing because for those of you listening to this podcast who didn't listen to that one, you and Brandy both dropped out like a number of times.
4: I know, I know. <laughs> well, we had some weather
3: which made my it, uh, made my editing fun. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um and then I had to do the post credit which is where all the feedback comes in. That was about 20 minutes. So our thank you, portion thank
4: you for not let having us do it I really appreciate that because by the end of that recording I was like I gotta go yeah like, I I have to go I cannot be here anymore
3: but even the recording with me you and Brandy was like two hours and 40 minutes but yeah. it was a it was a lot of fun
4: it was so fun it was, it was so a, fun I it, enjoy brandy so much I
3: knew you two would get along that's one of the reasons I was glad you two were on that one with me.
4: now did you edit? ballads of songbirds and snakes no. before or after you watched the movie.
3: I it's in the, it's, it's still in the podcast. Um, I did not listen to it as I was editing it. So, <laughs> so I still have no idea what you and Brandy were even talking about when during we- that
4: portion Word swap. I'll tell you.
3: Yeah. So for, for people listening when we did the, cause I know there are a couple revisited listeners who actually listened to that episode cause they messaged me and, uh, told me, but, um, Kristen and Brandy had both I had never I had yet to have seen Hunger Games ballads of songbirds and snakes yet even though it was assigned to me by Kristen for movie swap which we're going to be recording after we record this Uh, and they wanted to talk about it so there was so bad (laughs) there was legitimately a point in the recording where even though I'm the host I took my headphones off And let you two talk for like five or six minutes. It was awesome. And I still haven't gone back and listened to that portion. So you can tell me about it in Movie Swap. I will. When we talk about it. Uh, But let's talk about Lasso. Uh, For those of you that are on your first watch, as per usual, uh, we may not have a spoiler section this episode. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot we have to bring up. But just in case we do, make sure you check the show notes and you'll know where to The portion of this episode to skip if you don't want any spoilers but let's dive in episode seven headspace of the second season um where do you want to start
4: (sighs) well gosh so many different places so first of all i just want to say i love this episode so much i love that we kind of take a break from the games and just the overall plot of Ted Lasso and we kind of dig into the characters a little bit yeah. this episode. and I am a very character driven television and movie watcher. So episodes like this are my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, we might have one spoiler now that I think about it because okay. it's because it this is very, Ted therapy-centric, and anybody that has watched the show knows why Ted. Well, not we don't know why at this point why Ted is upset because Ted doesn't even know why he's upset about therapy. All he knows is that he hates therapy, and it is probably linked to the therapy that he had with Michelle. Um, well, I think it's absolutely linked to the therapy he well, we had with Michelle. What I'm saying is right now right now it's we haven't we have oh, the big reveal but, hasn't happened
3: <clears throat> no but i'm even saying i think even at this point ted still does believe because he does say something to dr sharon later where he says like i have when they were talking about having therapy before he's like yeah he's like and look uh, and now i'm here in london while my wife is at home look right. how well that turned out i right. think he absolutely blames therapy on the loss of his marriage
4: well, he doesn't know how much therapy no. is to blame. That's no. that's my point. He that's okay. my point. And he's already made the comment and you can edit this out if he hasn't made the comment because I'm pretty sure he's made the comment that um that it wasn't their therapist, it was her therapist. He's already so, said that. Yeah. yeah, okay. Good. So he he already felt like he was sitting down and to like the middle of the conversation. So he, he never he said, really felt like it was about his marriage as much as it was about how to quote unquote fix Ted. Well, he says
3: that earlier on and he, in, in right. that he felt like it was because it was a therapist that Michelle was already seeing. Right. It He felt like he was being railroaded, which he was absolutely, you
4: yeah. know, I mean, he absolutely was even the, the, the thing is, is that unless You can't have a personal therapist and a marriage therapist. You just can't, right? If you want to bring your husband in or your spouse in on a therapy session that is directed towards the patient themselves, that's different. But if, like, hey, we've been talking a lot about this. We wanted to bring you in and just get your take on it, right? That's fine. But you can't say, okay, I've been treating this person for six months, and now we're going to treat the both of you. That doesn't work unless you've also been treating the other person for the yeah, equal because, amount of time.
3: Because as much as they're not supposed to, at that point, the therapist is already You're going into already, bias. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly the word I was going for. 100%. You've already, you've already developed a bias.
4: So with that kind of history that we know that he has with, therap- with therapy, his anger is – somewhat justified. Now the things that he says to Sharon is awful in that second, that second go around. Um, and Sharon was very honest with him when he came back for the third time, you know, she's Mm -hmm. just like, what you said was really insulting and it hurt my feelings, you know? And I think that Sharon understands that she needs to be just as honest with Ted. If she wants Ted to be honest with her, yeah. Um. I, I, and, and she going- she drops her professionalism with him in in the session. Have you noticed that
3: in the third session? Yeah.
4: Yeah. I think that she finally has it figured out that she needs to she needs to share a little to get anything back from him. Well, because
3: and, and yeah, because at, at that point Ted has already gone in with a bias as well, in that therapy is useless. Right. Um, and it. It just does more damage than good. And yeah, Dr. Sharon realizes at that point, And that just shows goes to show you how great of a therapist she really is. Yeah. That, yeah, she needs to share in order to get some sharing in return.
4: And I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that she is used to treating football players. And they're already very, like, macho. And so she doesn't have to get too personal with them because they don't really want to get personal with with her. But Ted's different. You know, mm-hmm. Ted is from Midwest America. Okay? Those people are kind, they're self-effacing, and they they want to know you as much as you want to know them.
3: Well, not only that, but if you look at Ted overall, since the very beginning of this season, Ted is a very open person with everybody. His life is pretty much an open book, Yeah, except when it comes to Dr. Sharon. That except is the, when it comes to his personal, personal life. Well, yeah, I think yes and no. I think there's some things in his personal life he's been open about. But, but yes, there are some things he does ki- keep very close to the chest, and that is, in particular, things with his marriage. And that's you know, what Sharon
4: mm, wants to talk about.
3: Yeah. And the <laughs> only person I think he's ever been open with about that before this is Beard. You and don't I think, think
4: he's he, been open with Rebecca?
3: I do think he's been open with Rebecca as well. But I mean, like, even pre—I'm talking pre-Richmond—
4: Oh, okay.
3: I think Beard is really probably the only person he's even been open with it about. And even then, I kind of question it because sometimes as a guy, I know we don't always share those intimate details with each other. We know that there's something going on. We take in the bare minimum that we need to know. And then Mm -hmm. that's pretty much it. You know, so I think Beard is aware that there are issues, but he doesn't question them. Right. It's not until he comes to AFC Richmond and he befriends Rebecca and now Dr. Sharon yeah. is involved that now he ha- he's kind of being forced to open up about everything, yeah. which I'm not saying is a bad thing. It's it's very much needed for Ted at this point.
4: He needs it more, more than he will ever know, mm-hmm. but he is so resistant to it. And Sharon is a magician and she's at least able to understand that it's going to take a couple of tries to get him in the door. Mm-hmm. And I love that third session so much, especially when he throws the
3: the, the tissue tissues yeah.
4: across the room. He's like, no, yeah. no. <laughs>
3: no, not going to need them.
4: Yeah. Um, and I love
3: the look on Dr. Sharon's face when he does it too. Yeah, She was like,
4: all right, like, shh. Yeah, she's amused by it. You know, it's like they they really have a they have their own breakthrough with each other in that third Mm -hmm. session, which is really nice, because I think that Sharon needs Ted, too.
3: I do, too. Well, there's a there's a great moment coming up a little bit later on. And I can't remember if it's next episode before man. Have they been to the hospital yet? No, that's the next one.
4: This is next episode. It's Man Man City. Man City. Yep.
3: Yep. I yeah, love, they, I
4: love every part of
3: that. There's there are so many great moments. Man City is just a great episode. Yeah. For for Roy, for Jamie, for Ted, oh, for for Jamie. Yeah. There's some great stuff coming up next episode that I can't wait to talk about. Um But yeah, like there there's this breakthrough. But I want to go back to what you said about how Ted was very like very mean in the way he was in that second section that second session talking to dr sharon i do think though that there is one thing he says in there that he does make a very valid point and i think it kind of throws dr sharon for a moment until she realizes that is because what he does say to dr sharon is very insulting like about her job
4: gosh the whole time i'm like stop talking
3: but he does make a valid point in that she charges by the hour but only does 50 minutes of of therapy. Like I was like when he said that like the whole time I'm listening to this I'm like man you are being insulting. But you kind of have a point with that one.
4: Mm, not really because there is notes time that she has to do when he leaves. Okay. All right. Fair enough and she's probably doing a lot more than 10 minutes of notes and For, yeah dictation and all that other stuff that she needs to do.
3: Yeah, but I mean you're right. Like I'm glad you started with this because I think this is probably one of the most poignant things that happen in this episode mm-hmm. is by the end of this episode there is a breakthrough with Ted. And like you said with Dr. Sharon. Yeah, as well. But Ted I think is the biggest one. Ted has this there's a major breakthrough. He's been very hesitant To therapy this entire time He's made it very known what he thinks Of therapy yep to Everybody and by the end of this For him to be sitting face to face with Dr. Sharon tossing the tissues Behind him and Finally accepting This yeah as One this is something that he Needs and two this is something that He's going to allow
4: Right well I I really like it um I really like it when she turns it around on him, when she says, would you coach for free? Yes. Okay. But you're not. No. Okay. And you want to get to know your players. That's very important to you. Just because you're getting paid doesn't mean that you don't care, right? You still care about your players, even though you're getting paid. So the way that she turned that around and she made that point, I thought was really good. Because if you could turn it around on Ted, Ted listens to that. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it, it's interesting that he he's like you know what you're right and he's so good at admitting that he's wrong which I think is wonder it's a really good trait for him. But Sharon says my favorite quote of the entire um, episode was I can't be your mentor without occasionally being your tormentor, and that just struck a chord with me because I feel that way with teaching a lot too, you know. Yeah. Be, because you get all those resistant kids that don't want your help that don't think they need your help but when they finally give in and they and they accept what you're trying to do for them they let you in mm. you know and and i imagine that it's the same when your profession is a therapist yeah psychologist psychiatrist i don't know what she is i don't know if she can prescribe medicine whatever but um is that the difference between a psychologist and a therapist a psychiatrist and a psychiatrist psychologist and a, Yeah. A psychologist. i think a psychiatrist can um prescribe medicine and i'm pro- if if you're a psychologist or a psychiatrist and i'm wrong like please let me know <laughs>
3: <laughs> cuz i've always been confused with the difference as well and if if it's the ability to the, the ability to prescribe medication makes a lot of sense in right. that yeah in that um, being the difference
4: And then at the end of Ted's little, you know, breakthrough when he's on the right path with Sharon and he's having a beer and and some dinner, who arrives, who shows up after a couple of episodes of not seeing him? Our boy, our friend, (laughs) Trent Krim from The Independent. Yep. And And he reminds him that, you know, not everybody believes that you had food poisoning, bro.
3: So. I'm glad you brought this up because there was something in the back of my mind that I was like, I feel like there's something I want to talk about in spoilers, but I can't remember what it was. You just reminded me. I know
4: what it is, too. There
3: is stuff we need to talk about with Trent Krim.
4: I know what it is.
3: In the spoiler section. So we are. So there will be a spoiler. It won't be a long spoiler section, Uh -uh. but there will be a little bit of spoilers discussion a little bit later on because you're right. I was so excited because I forgot until until I saw him this episode I forgot we haven't seen Trent since the beginning of the season yeah it, it's been easily four five six episodes since we've seen Trent so I'm I and, and I got asked
4: I ha- him so much
3: I got excited when I saw I, Trent I
4: love him so much
3: <laughs> because he is Trent Krim is such a great character and th- I'm not spoiling anything by saying he is a Huge character in season three.
4: He is such a big character, and see, I just love him so. Uh, can we just get to season three, please? I love <laughs> season three so much. Trent
3: Crim becomes like it's 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 like when you're watching a show and you see like this secondary character, and then all of a sudden you see that they get bumped from secondary to main character in the credits. Trent Crim becomes a main character. In it's kind
4: of like Andy Dwyer with a uh, yeah, like Rick.
3: yeah where yeah and andy becomes one of the main characters in parks and rec later on later i think season two and beyond because season one i think he was just he was a guest star i don't even think he was supposed to continue no i think Mm -mm. he was supposed to like once ann and chris broke up or once ann and andy broke up he was supposed to be done and then they brought and andy forever yeah (laughs) for sure
4: anyways um
3: yeah, Trent in season three is just – it's so good. I can't –
4: Yeah. Wait.
3: But, yeah, like, you you mentioned, like, that second session, going back to the second session with yes. Ted and Dr. Sharon, you know, I made that thing where I thought it was kind of a valid point, and then you kind of showed me how, how it really isn't. But also, like, the main, <laughs> the main insult of that whole discussion, and you kind of touched on it a little bit in what Dr. Sharon says to Ted in the third session, is basically – you think I don't care about my patients. This is nothing more than just a job for me to just come in, talk, listen to people and then collect the paycheck. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That is insulting for anybody. Yeah. You know, to think that somebody doesn't care about the job that they do to look at it. And that goes for any profession. Yes. There are people out there that do a job just to get a paycheck and don't really care about their job. But, you don't go through that amount of training to become a therapist, to not care. Right. hundred like, percent. I, I, I think that's Well oh, I was going to say something that was very spoilery, but I'm not going to, um, about another therapist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I won't bring that up. So yeah, I'm I'm glad we started with all of the, the Dr. Sharon and Ted stuff. Cause there's just so much more. There's just so much stuff that comes and the awkwardness in that first session of, you can see like Ted is making an attempt to try and be a part of it. Like he's trying to figure out where to sit, how to lie down on the couch. He and then it's, so
4: uncomfortable. it's not until.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, and then like, it's not until Dr. Sharon asks the first question. She says like, how do you feel? About all this and the moment that question Comes up he's like nope I don't want to do this And he walks out of the office
4: So angry too he's so Angry those first two sessions Because well because like the how Do you feel it's that Word
3: it's that verb it's the feel Part the moment he feels That it becomes real yeah it's No longer just something he's Like toying with the moment He's asked that question this is real now I don't want to deal with it and I'm leaving
4: I don't want to do it 100%. Yep. And, 100%.
3: And, and he walks out. Yep. So,
4: yeah, he does. He does walk out. He walks out twice. And, uh, and you see how it affects him when he coaches. You see how it affects him just kind of walking through life. Like, and that's the same for like any, any kind of therapy. I mean, unfortunately, when, when you need therapy, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah.
3: It just, because is. you're, because you're bringing up, things. It's kind of like when you how do I put it? Like if you have like a an, an old bottle, like if you have like some some kind of a bottle of wine and there's sediment at the bottom yeah. of it. Like you need to shake that bottle up mm-hmm. for that sediment to mix back in. And it looks horrible until you start to drink the wine. Yeah. Or whatever it is that has sediment at the bottom. Like it could be like a, a juice or something that has it at right. the bottom. You get the reference of the I do. The reference I'm trying to make, the analogy. Yeah, I'm trying. Don't
4: do it with champagne.
3: No, (laughs) no, especially if it's already been uncorked, (laughs) because then that cork will just pop right back out. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, you mentioned like how it kind of affects his coaching too, and this kind of shifts into another point in, like when they're when Keeley is having the discussion about Roy. In Rebecca's mm. office with Rebecca and and Higgins and Ted and she's like is it okay to keep things bottled up and he Ted's one of the first people that's like yeah it's okay to keep things bottled <laughs> up because that's what he's facing at that time is he just right. wants to keep his emotions bottled in? he doesn't want to face it he yep. doesn't want to release all of this stuff because that's what he's going through so <laughs> it, it goes in it, it blends into that conversation
4: and it's interesting too because I guess like him being in England, his job is twenty-four-seven. His that this job is twenty-four-seven. So he probably feels that he needs to keep everything all bottled up because he wants to remain, you know, coach 24-7, mm-hmm. and he can't be himself. So that has to be difficult as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah, because even when he's you're right, because even in moments because he is a Known person, he is somebody who is recognized Mm -hmm. as the coach of AFC Richmond. You're right. That makes his job 24-7. Yeah. Because even when he's at the pub eating, he's approached by Trent Krim. Right. And he's questioned about something that pertains to the game.
4: And to him personally. Yes. You know, that can't be easy for anybody. It's the price of fame. I guess. Well, and let's let's pivot on the price of fame and talk about our friend, Nate.
3: Oh, boy, oh, boy. Let's talk about Nate. Um, it's been very interesting going back and doing a rewatch, knowing what we know. Because for upon first view, I think even upon, upon initial view of this, I thought Nate was a dick in this episode.
4: Oh, he was so awful. And the things he said to Colin... I was so glad. I I forgot that Beard heard it, and I was so glad when I saw Beard. I was like, "Okay, can can you can you say something now? You've watched him be an asshole now for like four episodes. Is it time yet, Beard? Because he waits. Because he he, waits, and he takes his time. Yeah.
3: And and the mystery of Beard deepens in this episode only because I will. I'll bring this up just because it's a very quick moment. But when Nate walks in and Beard addresses him and tells him that he's being a dick. You know, to Colin, Nate walks out and then immediately turns around, and Beard is gone.
4: He says, "The door's <laughs> behind you." <laughs> yeah. Nate leaves like, "Okay, he, this is my office," and he turns uh, around. Beard's gone. And
3: Beard is gone. <laughs> he's just completely disappeared. And there's a part of me that he's wants- hiding
4: behind the door, right? I was like- <laughs> no,
3: I was literally there's a part of me that wants to believe that Beard just kind of hid under the desk. Just to fuck with Nate, yeah, maybe because he would do it yeah he he would absolutely do it um but yeah, the mystery the mystery of beard deepens uh in this he's just a figment of people's imagination at this point, but yeah, like it's Nate it's such a roller coaster with Nate in this episode because we see the way he treats Colin in the beginning of this episode even later on into this episode when he tells Colin he's nothing more. Than basically just somebody there to fill a spot. He's
4: he's like a painting at the Holiday Inn what to, an cover, yeah. to, to cover asshole thing to cover a shit stain. Yeah,
3: like that's mm-hmm. who as a coach who says that to a player.
4: He is awful. He is and, awful. And I kept I kept pausing to see what what it was. Like Nate's just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and then I realized. He's keywording himself. Yeah. He's going on social and he's keywording himself. He's keywording he's, to the hashtags. Right. And yeah. he's just drinking up his Kool-Aid deep until, as we all know, especially as podcasters, you get a negative one. Yeah. And when you well, get a negative one, he goes off the freaking rails. Well, even that,
3: then that that's the point I was trying to get to is that like we get this mm-hmm. moment where. When I say this is a roller coaster ride with Nate, we're we're going down the hill with Nate being a total dick to Colin,
4: mm-hmm.
3: telling him how he's just a painting in a holiday and covering a shit stain. Yep. And then Beard confronts him, says something to him, and the next thing we see on the pitch is he is apologizing to Colin. And we're like, okay, maybe Nate is finally coming around until he's scrolling through and he sees a tweet that says this guy is still a loser. Well, because he is. And then he immediately goes off on Will, (sighs) which if I ever wanted to reach through a screen and punch a character, it was then because what the fuck Will was doing? Will has been nothing at this point, but someone who is just trying to lift these players. Yeah, right. So for you to turn on and see, I think the worst part about it is for Nate is that with Will being the new kit man, Nate is remembering how he was treated as a kit man by Colin, by McAdoo, by Jamie.
4: And Will is accepted.
3: Yes. He is reciprocating what he received. And this is a different team. (coughs) This is a different Jamie. Yeah. Different Jamie, different McAdoo, different different different, Colin. They're all different.
4: Yeah. And a lot of that is Dr. Sharon. It's Ted. It's Keely, right? It's, you know, it's the fact that the culture in this team has changed so much. And Nate just hasn't, he hasn't looked up from his phone long enough to see the changes. And he hasn't been changing along with the team. He has stayed static. He has stayed the same. Yeah. And so as a result, he doesn't understand that the team is evolving. And and it now that I think about it, it seems that this entire episode is about evolving as a person, as a team, whatever, because you have Rebecca and Sam trying to figure out how to push through this new boundary that is trying to be broken. You have Keely and Roy that are trying to evolve into a couple that is a long-term couple. And how do you figure that out? Um, you have Ted evolving and accepting therapy from Dr. Sharon. Um, you have a possible evolution from Trent crim. You have mm-hmm. um, Jamie, who is like
3: oh a my person. God. Let me, can I just say, and we'll get to it yeah. when we when we get to the Roy and Keeley stuff. But the scene with Roy and Jamie on the pitch. Hilarious. Is easily my favorite scene from this entire episode.
4: Anything that the two of them are <laughs> doing together on the screen. Yes, please. All it is, the time. Thank you. It is
3: It is some of the most. I'll save it for when we get to it. Because it's. I, I love that scene so much. But yeah, like I, I think you're right. I think evolution is a big theme. Yeah. Of this episode. Which makes sense
4: because it's headspace and therapy. We evolve and we change. Yeah. And And who isn't getting therapy right now? Who is not getting therapy? Nate.
3: And well, and it's funny enough, too, because this is something that I realized in rewatching this episode, too. And similarly to Lost, when we talked about, you know, covered the whole series of Lost, one of the biggest things of that was daddy issues. And I think Nate has that as well, oh. because we see in the beginning of this episode, he's he's trying so hard for his father to notice his accolades. And when he does, he just blows it off. And I think I, I think this is Nate is searching for approval from everybody, including his own father. But his father is actually I, I honestly don't think his father is being ignorant to his accolades. I think his father is pretty much, he doesn't want these accolades to go to his head.
4: And he knows that that's what's happening.
3: Yeah. I think his father is basically just trying to bring him down a peg. And, which I don't think there's any issue in that at all. Could he do it a little differently? Sure. But, I I don't think his father is doing anything wrong in this moment. Uh, I think it's how it's viewed. You do?
4: I do. I think that um, it looks like his father has Kept Nate at arm's length forever, and you can see that mom compensates for that. Here you go, my baby boy, my darling boy. Here's these, you know, blah blah blah, kisses, flowers for mom, you know. And dad is standoffish, and I think that a lot of men try to get approval or validation from their father. I mean, we see that with Jamie and his own father. Yeah, we see that, and we learn about Ted and his father right it's so, another
3: show with daddy issues it really is
4: well and men and i'm so glad that they bring it to light in different ways especially in 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 this show because it is really important for fathers to understand their role in their sons lives it you know fathers are so important to their children so important to their children it it a relationship with a daughter strengthens that daughter into a very strong, independent woman who understands that she doesn't need another man to make her feel good. She gets that strength from her father. Just like a man or a boy needs his father to build him up and teach him how to be a man and teach him um, how to be humble or modest or whatever, but also while aiming for you know, the best that they can possibly be. You get all of this from your father. And I think that over the years and over generations, we've lost that, especially with the divorce rate in the eighties. I'm going off on a real weird tangent, but apparently, (laughs) but with the divorce rate in the eighties, I mean, I don't know about you, but all my friends came from divorced families, like, like all of them and fathers were the ones that never lived with kids And as a result, you have a lot of really kind of messed up adults now, Uh, our Gen X, uh, late millennial, uh, cuspers, exennial, whatever you want to call it, generation. And now, as a teacher, I see the differences between the kids that have fathers in their life and don't have fathers in their life or have. Terrible fathers in their life, you know, well, and that's and that's the
3: thing I wanted to say as well is when it comes to fathers teaching their sons and how important that relationship is. I know from experience that fathers teach their sons things, even when there is separation, um, mm-hmm. because I have learned the person not to be because of my father.
4: But you that know, takes a lot of self-awareness. And sure. as teenagers and young adults, especially um, you know, Nate's age and, and below, that's something that you have to learn and you have to 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 try and learn. And if you close yourself off to that and you don't want to learn it and you're just going to react to it, much like Nate's doing right now, then you turn into a Nate.
3: But I think you also made an interesting point too in the dynamic between the mother and the father in Nate's father in Nate's family, in that Nate has been living in a family that has pretty much been an emotional tug of war.
4: Yes. 100%. And
3: because of the fact that you're right. His mom gives him all this accolation, gives him all this love, shows him all this praise, and his father doesn't show any of it. So I feel like Nate has been trying to kind of pull this into the middle, and he's failed thus far. Um, well, and
4: a little bit of this is also on Ted.
3: Yes, I agree with that as well.
4: Because yes. we see, and, and we're so angry at Nate right now because he's being such a jerk. I mean, top tier grade A filet mignon jerk, right? But who is there to to help him right now? No one. Yeah. He has nobody helping him, mentoring him, bringing him along. He just got a surge of fame. Who was there to help him figure it out? Keely sure wasn't. And that's her job.
3: That's a good point. I didn't even really think about that. Is that she is the she is the promotions manager, which involves social media mm-hmm. for AFC Richmond. And she, she should have
4: been on this.
3: She should have seen. Yeah, you're right. Just following hashtags along because I'm sure Nate Shelley has been, or Coach Nate, or Wonderkid has been tagged along with AFC Richmond.
4: She so should have. She should she should have, have seen known. This. Yes. So there's a lot of people failing Nate right now. Does he get a pass for his actions? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. However, nobody's looking out for Nate, not even his own father. Yeah. Well, I mean,
3: even, and that's, you know what, that's a good point too, is that, you know, when you look at things from Nate's point of view, like, yes, he's getting the accolation and the love from his mom, but even his mother is calling it the wrong thing. She calls him boy wonder.
4: Mm-hmm. and he
3: kind of takes offense to that a little bit in, in correcting her like he says no like it's it's wonder kid or wonder kind which is what i'm pretty sure i said no you didn't for one
4: and 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 jan knows it
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly but you know like he you're right i like even then i think he's even kind of He's not accepting it from – he's getting it from one place, and he's not accepting it because it's the one place he's always gotten it from. He wants Mm -hmm. it from new people.
4: He wants it from Ted. He wants it from his dad. Yep, he wants it from Ted and his dad. That's it.
3: Yeah, and they're the two places he's not getting it.
4: Like, Because remember when Beard talked to him about the way that Nate spoke to Colin, Nate had one question – for Beard, did you tell Ted? That's it.
3: Yeah, that's true.
4: I think, I mean, and I
3: will say in this, I'm not saying it's for every episode this season because it's certainly not. But this episode, I think Ted does get a little bit of a pass.
4: Oh, uh, yeah, but okay. he
3: wasn't there to hear the way Nate spoke to Colin.
4: That's true. Yeah, because he did say, did I miss something? Yeah. Do I need yeah. to know it? No.
3: Yeah. Ted does get a little bit of a pass this episode.
4: 100%. But last episode? No, no
3: God, no. He no. does
4: not.
3: Oh, all I-, I even said it. Like he pushes Nate to the side, he mm-hmm. physically moves Nate.
4: To well, get and to Roy. Nate saves his ass in that game. Yeah. And Ted says nothing to him about it.
3: Yeah, I don't think Ted has said it. And that's the thing. Like, if you look at the timeline, I don't think there's been another game yet since that game last episode.
4: No, uh, I don't. Yeah, I think you're right.
3: Because I think that is the episode that got them into the semifinals and then that's the, what they're talking about. Right. So Nate is still on a high for maybe a couple days to a week at this point. Mm-hmm. He is legitimately in his 15 minutes of fame
4: mm-hmm.
3: because that's all it is. It's, it's 15 minutes of fame. Well, is it? And well, that-, that goes into spoilers a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. Maybe it's not 15 minutes of fame. It's well, I think it's 15 minutes of fame from the fans. But to a different person, it's not.
4: To a different person, it's a way in. Yes. We'll talk about this in spoilers. Yes,
3: exactly.
4: However, going back to Nate, listen, <laughs> we, I, I realize I've spent like the last 10 minutes sticking up for Nate. But I don't want it. I don't want it to be uh, confused with the fact that I hate Nate. I hate his actions. I hate everything he's doing right now. I'm just trying to understand the direction of his character right now.
3: <laughs> okay, it's going to be interesting when we get into season three, particularly because it is a our first rewatch for both of us. Mm-hmm. I want to see how your feelings on Nate are going. Into t- season well, you three. too. Yeah,
4: yeah our well, feelings. because my,
3: my feelings for Nate have already changed yep. in season two, whereas I gave Nate a little bit of a pass up until a particular moment, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen until the season finale. <laughs> um, this time around, I'm like, no, I kind of don't give him a pass. Yeah. He's been a jerk the entire time.
4: Yeah. And we've seen it all season.
3: But I there are other people that I gave passes to last season Meaning like Ted and such that I don't give passes to this season. Yeah. Because I see now all the ingredients. I see all the kindling being thrown into the fire. Yeah. This this time, whereas m- upon first watch, I just saw the explosion.
4: And I think it's because we're just so enamored with the team and with Ted and with Rebecca and Keeley and Roy and Keeley and Higgins and his cute little pipe, and, you know, like, we're just, we're so- I love that, by the way. Like, one of my favorite parts of the episode. Um, But it, we are, on first watch, you're just so enamored with this whole world, and you just want to be in it, and you're just so cozy and lovely, and then Nate messes everything up at the end, and you're like, what just happened to my favorite show? But then you watch it again, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I see it, I see it. Well, and I and what
3: really bugs me the most about this entire thing, especially with Nate going off on Colin, is the fact that this whole thing stemmed from, look, anybody who has a, a group of friends that like you rib each other and you poke fun at each other, you know, for the most part, it always comes from a place of love. You tease the people that you love, because one, if, if it's like the whole like, if I didn't make fun of you, I I didn't. It means I didn't care. Yeah. You know, the team is ribbing Nate. In the beginning, they're kind of poking fun at him and they're taking the piss out of him. They're bringing him in. They're they're accepting of Nate as a coach. They're making fun of him. And you know they're doing it because they really like Nate now. Yes! And Nate takes it as in, these guys are just putting me down. Because of season one. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of reliving a little bit of trauma. And, but... You know, it—that's not the place this is coming from this time. This is coming from genuine love and affection that this team has for Nate, and Nate is just not seeing it that way.
4: I don't think that he has accepted that Jamie's different too. Maybe
3: everybody else has.
4: Oh my gosh, Jamie is the best. He's the best in this episode. I just love him so much. (laughs) When he walks into the boot room, that's the best. (laughs) <laughs> and roy walks in and he's like are you talking about me and jamie's like yeah <laughs>
3: <laughs> well that's it, that's the best part like are, so are we finished with like a lot of the nate stuff this i am point? are you yeah i think i am too um so we can kind of shift into the roy and keely parts of this episode because this is i think where a lot of the levity comes into it while still giving these characters a little bit of the evolution yeah. that you mentioned and you're right like Every time Roy has walked in on groups of people talking about him, it's always a bit of a mix in the response. Yeah, and that he's are you talking about me? Half of them are yes, and the other half are no.
4: Not in the boot room. In the boot room, they all said yes, and and Roy's response
3: has always been like, "All right, fair enough." Like, and then because he knows people talk about him when he's not in the room, he's not. He's stupid. a very
4: famous person. Yeah. He's not stupid. Yeah. And, but I like also- it when he walks in and, and Higgins and Rebecca start jazz scatting. Jazz <laughs> and then everybody leaves and Higgins is like, two, two three, three, four. four. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and even Rebecca just go right back to jazz boop.
4: <laughs> <scatting. laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I just love it. But I mean, I also
3: like the fact, too, that Roy is very he's very aware of the relationship that Keely and Rebecca have. So and he's very honoring of that, like he knows they're going to share with each other things. So when he walks in. And the conversation suddenly stops. He's not ignorant of the fact that, yes, they're probably talking about him. Mm. And he's not going to be like, oh, well, what are you guys talking about? Like, no, he's actually genuinely respecting that relationship that they two they have as friends. Right. So he's not getting involved. He's like, all right, I'm going to let you have your gossip and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk out of the room. Right. And that makes Roy he's, such a great character.
4: He's so wonderful. <laughs> He's so wonderful, but hey, I just love it when uh, I, I want to go to the boot scene because I just love the <laughs> boot room scene so much. And Ted walks in and Keeley's there. And she's like, no, the cigarette's just to mask the sh- the boot smell. And then Rebecca comes in and she's like, we've decided smoking doesn't count in this room.
3: And she's like, well, I've been found out, like fully admits it. I love the fact that they've been discarding them in shoes. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> Not in shoe in one particular pair of shoes.
4: I know. I wonder whose they are. I, I don't know. Really I tried to figure Jamie's? that out.
3: Oh, I don't oh God, that would be good if it was. But that's like that becomes a running joke in this season too. Mm-hmm. actually through season two and three is Will in the boot room. Yeah. Cause he always kind of ends up in the boot room when something is happening in the boot room.
4: It's just so funny because it's the boot room is kind of Will's domain. Like, that's, his that's, like, that's his office. That's his office. Yeah. smelly, His smelly boot office. And everybody just uses it to like – hide smoke cigarettes gossip make out like and he just walks in he's like guys come on i'm the kid man i don't know what to do with my hands anymore like what do i
3: do (laughs) but they all seem surprised anytime they're in there and either will walks in or it's discovered that will was already in there it's like no (laughs) like he's still quiet this is his room (laughs) You're using his space to have <laughs> your conversation every time. Like I said, it becomes a running joke season two into season three. Yeah. It's like, there are times where like there are conversations happening and then all of a sudden will just chimes in. It's like, where did you come have from? You've
4: been here the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like missed out fire the whole time. Uh,
3: <laughs> yes. So, but yeah, I, uh, the boot room scene is great. Um, But, you know, the whole thing about this is that Keely is getting kind of she's feeling overburdened because now that Roy and Keely work together, they go to the office together. It feels like she is spending every moment of her day from work to home with Roy. And I get that. Hmm. I totally get that. Like, you need space sometimes to be alone.
4: And uh, I come home from work every day and I close the door to my bedroom for a half hour <laughs> and nobody better come in there nobody it's, it's your decompress time. Yes.
3: So I I get that but I love that like I it I kind of see it from both sides that I love seeing how affectionate Roy is being like he just mm. loves being around Keely. This is something new to him.
1: Intimacy. He's never,
3: he's never been this intimate with a person before. Yeah. And he's he's living it
4: up, but at the same time he he's learning about it as well. Don't don't come into the room when she's watching her show and talk about your stupid book.
3: (laughs) Okay, first off, the Da Vinci Code is not a stupid book. No, it's awesome. I love it. It's a it's a it's a great book. And I was like, seeing Roy reading it, I'm like, I kind of want to break the Da Vinci Code back out.
4: I love it that he goes another
3: read. And he brings up such a good point where he talks about how short the chapters are that it just makes you want to keep reading. And I'm like, yeah. God, I feel you on that, Roy, because that is so true about, about that book. Yeah, but like, yeah, like I love, but I also love the fact that like he is actually like he's doing what Keeley tells him. Mm-hmm. Like Keeley says, like you know, like if if you have to go in the other room and read your book, so that I can get work done. And he does. He doesn't fight her on it. Nope. It's just these are two people that are learning about this. Cause I, there's a part of me that wants to believe, I don't think Keely's ever had a relationship this intimate either.
4: No, she's only dated young, dumb football players. Yeah. I mean, she's said that. So they're both, they're both in uncharted territory here. And yeah. Roy really steps up at the end. Well because of
3: Jamie. Because of Jamie. I-, I was just gonna say, let's talk about that moment. So cute. That is some of the best nonverbal acting I have seen in this show. When 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 it comes down to them on the pitch, and you know, right for the first time yells whistle. Yes,
4: <laughs> it was. I put that down. It's the first time we hear whistle, whistle. Yep.
3: And he says because he gets mouth rash yeah. from the from the from the whistle, <laughs> so he just screams it, which I absolutely love. And you know, now that we finally got to it, I have to play. We get to do it. Whistle, whistle. <laughs> it doesn't come from this episode, but it, it becomes again another running joke. Yes throughout everything but that moment where he goes up and he tells you know jamie like you need to be in there and jamie's like no like i need to give him his space Mm. he needs to be out doing his own thing on his own i i can't crowd him he needs his space to do his thing and the watching that moment in roy when it clicks that that's what needs to happen with him and keely too yeah seeing him like with his befuddled look on his face and looking in all these different directions. Like he's processing this information.
4: (laughs) And I'm sure the fact that he's getting this like breakthrough because of Jamie Tart is also messing with him.
3: (laughs) Well, because like when he finally processes it and he's just like, fuck. And just (laughs) walks off the field and Jamie and the rest of the team are like, uh, what just happened? (laughs)
4: But yeah, you're right. Jamie is very, very smart and he's deep and he's philosophical. He really is. But he's also stupid.
3: Yes. He's he's a, he's a bit of a, an imbecile sometimes. Yeah. So, but like that is like, I, I swear, I rewound that moment like four times. <laughs> and just rewatched that 30 seconds, like four or five times when I was watching this episode. Because it's yep. so damn funny. Yeah, like I said, it's some of the best non verbal acting until we get the fuck, and you know,
4: and then you see Roy like really learn from that and just be unbelievably romantic. Mm-hmm. The rose In- bath, the lights, the fl- the flowers, the candles, the music, the giving
3: Keely. Her space playlist.
4: Playlist. I mean, yep. everything. He just and she loves it. She doesn't pull him into the tub. She doesn't, you know, do anything to make him stay. She's like, okay, I'm going to just sit.
3: You know, yeah. and it's, it's kind wonderful. of full and similar to Ted and Dr. Sharon. This is a breakthrough for Roy and Keeley.
4: Yeah, they it's have a found a new level of intimacy for sure. Yep. Yeah, it's beautiful.
3: It really is. And I just, I love, again, it's, it, it develops the characters a little bit more, but it also gives a little bit of levity to the, to the, to the episode. Yes. Which I I love how, like, this show is so good at, you know, we might get like two or three story arcs happening through an episode, but there's always one of them that gives us the levity of the episode.
4: Oh, and see, I think that that's Rebecca and Sam.
3: In this episode?
4: Yeah, because they're both because Sam and his Sam and the team are like searching for the three dots all the oh, three time. three dots, three dots. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and um, Rebecca is trying to figure out how best to respond to him and can't figure it out.
3: Which I will say, too, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure I speak for most people. Those moments where like you like you're on an in, you're on a, a text message and you see the dots that somebody is typing, or you're on a Facebook messenger and you see the dots moving that somebody's typing and then you don't get the message. And they go away. It's like it's so aggravating. Yeah. It's like just finish your thought already. Right. I know you were typing.
4: Like just hit enter or hit send. Do something. Sometimes though the dots show up if you're just reading it just because the keyboard shows up. Really, I don't know i've never i've <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> it sounded good when I said it
3: <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, I don't think that's the case, but you know all right, uh but yeah, like i I know how aggravating that is, but I love this this element with Rebecca and Sam too, um because they've they've yet to discover that they are the two people that are on opposite ends of this I this know. chat message uh, and
4: they're both and, holding
3: their phones, yeah, they're both like in that teenage more for sam than rebecca because he's actually closer to that age um yeah. <laughs> uh, you know they're in that whole new discovery portion of this and right sam is the one that's like we should meet and rebecca's the one that's kind of putting it off and i i love keely's rebecca keely's advice to rebecca in go and fuck your cartoon rat
4: Ratatouille. (laughs) His favorite movie's Ratatouille. Uh, Excuse me, Ratatouille is a a masterpiece. It's
3: a masterpiece.
4: Yeah. Which I agree with. So, I love Ratatouille. I haven't seen it in a while. What? Oh, in a while. (laughs) In a while. Oh, I've seen seen it. it. Oh, God, yeah. Come on, it's Pixar. I've seen
3: everything Pixar puts out.
4: Well, movie swap was about to be real different. So...
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, I've definitely seen Ratatouille, okay. but she does make a good point too, in that it's you know the point of Ratatouille is against like uh, what is it she say it's against it's um like rich against rich people or I don't remember exactly what it is. I'm actually looking for the quote.
4: It now. is such a Sam movie to love, though. It makes so much sense well. for Sam.
3: I mean, you know, it's a childhood movie for him because he's still a child.
4: Oh no, I was just thinking, you know, it's it's very sam appropriate just the overall message of the movie. Oh, well yeah. Yeah.
3: Um let's see. I to find that that particular quote. Um Oh, ironically it's about snobbery and how good art can come from anywhere. Yeah. Which is the truth. Stop your dithering and go fuck your cartoon rat. <laughs> <laughs> I love to. I know we're getting I'm getting into quotes, too. But in that same conversation, when when Rebecca says, I mean, everything always goes wrong. All relationships are a nightmare. And Higgins chimes in with my relationship. My relationship is the oxygen that gives me life. And Rebecca's like, apart from Leslie's marriage, which is a bloody greeting card of some kind. It's true. Yeah. Their relationship is so, I and I, again, when we learned this during Rainbow, it blew my mind. It made me so happy to find out that's actually his real-life wife.
4: I know. It's I love so that, too.
3: That he gets to work with his wife on this show and is just, and he gets to talk about probably what is very realistic in his own marriage.
4: Yeah, very much which, so. Which I, I love. Um... I'm looking through. Oh, I'm done.
3: Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, I don't really think I have a lot. I don't even really have a lot of quotes. I have like one or two. Um, yeah, but either. there are there are a couple of things we didn't want to talk about in spoilers. So at this point, if this is your first watch and you want to avoid the spoilers, check the show notes to find out when we're going to come back in. Um, but now that we've said that, uh, I want to talk about the Trent Crim stuff because that's the first stuff that I know we thought about.
4: He was on a date. Was he? Yeah.
3: I didn't pick up on that. That's not that's not even what I was going into.
4: Oh, I was.
3: (laughs) He was on a date?
4: He was on a date, yeah.
3: Hmm. Didn't even pick up on that. Yep. Now I'm gonna have to go. Because he was
4: married with a child the last time we saw him, and now he's on a date. A very subtle, very subtle.
3: Do we see the date at all? Yeah. Like in the background. Yeah. It's a dude. yeah, well yeah. we we that is I mean, yeah, we know that Tr- Trent is homosexual. So Yeah, but
4: he wasn't at the beginning of the show. He comes out in between this time. Is that okay, is that the case? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, cuz he talks about it with Colin in season 3.
3: Okay. Yeah, it's been a while since I remember. I don't remember a lot of that. I remember that conversation happening, but I don't remember a lot of the details of that conversation.
4: Yeah. Because it, again,
3: this is the first Right. It'll be the first rewatch of season three. Mm-hmm. So, what did you want um, to talk about? I wanted to talk about the fact of what he's talking to Ted about, and that he says, like, you know, a lot of people don't believe that this was food poisoning. And Trent actually does get a comment from a source that it wasn't food poisoning. It was an anxiety attack
4: because we know that Nate is the fucking source. Nate's being an asshole. And that's I think that's coming to us what next episode, too. I think In so. His press
3: conference. No, I think the press conference about him addressing the anxiety attack is not till the finale. Mm. He he admits it that's, that's an anxiety attack during a press conference, but I don't think that's till, till the finale. Um, there's a there's a moment where because it has to come out first that it was an anxiety attack from Trent so the the timeline is that Ted addresses the the coaching staff to tell them that it was an anxiety attack, not feeling sick. That's when Nate knows. And that's when Trent reveal, that's when Nate reveals it to Trent and Trent publishes the story. And then it's not until the press conference in the finale that Ted addresses the fact that it was an anxiety attack. And we need to talk more about mental health in sports. Right. Um, and that's also when we get the whole Trent Crim revealed his source to his editor, which he wasn't supposed to do, which is why Trent loses his job at the Independent okay.
4: and becomes
3: and becomes Trent Crim Independent.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, but then his life gets lots better.
3: Oh, God, Trent Krim. <clears throat> I can't wait to talk about Trent Krim because Trent Krim goes from reporting about the team to, in essence, being part of the team.
4: Seriously, best addition ever. Yeah. It's he is why this, I love season three so much.
3: One of my favorite moments in season three, and this is a moment that I do remember, is I know we're getting way ahead, but I can't wait to talk about this episode. There's an episode where... Um, Roy, Phoebe, and Phoebe's mom have a happy Uncle's Day.
4: I love Uncle's Day. I love (laughs) Uncle's Day so much.
3: And Jamie comes in to be part of Uncle's Day, which is just a great in its own. Yeah. But but Roy or but Phoebe gives Roy a tie-dye shirt that she made in school.
4: And And then he wears it.
3: He wears it to, to Richmond. And there's a scene where he walks in. He says hello to Beard and Ted, and they are like
4: in awe. They cannot believe it. And then that moment after
3: Roy walks out, Trent walks in and and just mimics. Did you did did you saw that too? Right. Right.
4: <laughs> right. Everybody's just
3: like. What do we do? And what I love the most about that scene is that it's the song Red Right Hand that's yes, playing that's
4: right. the it's background. The red Right Hand. Oh, that's the Peaky Blinders song.
3: Yeah, that, that's just that scene is just I love that scene so much. I love it. I can't wait till we get to talk about that because Uncle Happy Uncle Day is just a great moment.
4: Yes, too. I agree. Um,
3: God, the stuff with Roy and Phoebe is just... Happy Uncle's um, Day. We're getting more Roy and Phoebe next episode for Man City. It's the par- it's the parent-teacher conference. <gasps> I love that. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's so great. That's but yeah, so I, I wanted to talk about the Trent Crib stuff because of that. Because of the... We're going to find out that Trent is going to report on Ted's anxiety attack. Yeah. And it comes from an anonymous source, which turns out to be Nate.
4: Yeah, yeah, and I thought that it was the fact that you see in the background that Trent's on a date. Didn't even pick up on it. Really look for it because you have to know what's going on.
3: And I think that's easily missed the first time because we don't know that about Trent yet at that point. Right, right. And and I missed it completely in the rewatch. So I'm going to have to go back and just rewatch that scene.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's right at the end. It's very easy, you know. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, he he definitely was on a date. And then um what was the other spoiler that we wanted to talk about? Oh, was, the therapy. Yeah,
3: oh god, yeah.
4: So um when is it that we find out about their relationship? It's this season, isn't it?
3: Is it this season or is it next season? I don't think it's until next season that we that we meet not um, that we
4: meet the therapist, but don't they FaceTime and he's in the background or he answers the phone or something?
3: I, you know what? I think you're right. I think it might be either the penultimate or the finale of this. He answers this the phone. Yeah, I
4: think that that's what happens. Is he answers the phone? Yeah, I think you're right. Which means that he's comfortable enough to answer the phone. Well, in I think his he, house. I think he's already been there. Well, I told you he was there. I think he was there for Christmas. I do, too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I agree with that. I don't remember what my my stance was on that then.
4: You just hadn't thought about it.
3: Yeah. uh, Yeah. But now the more I think about it, I think you're right. Yeah. I think he was there.
4: She was too nervous during that phone call.
3: And she wouldn't let anything but the wall behind her be seen.
4: She didn't. Yeah. She didn't even, like, move the camera. And then when he moved the camera towards her, when he turned the camera around, she was, like, legit nervous. And she turned it right back around and got in front of the tree. So, But because Ted knew that this therapist that he went to for marriage counseling was so vehemently against Ted just as a husband, as an idea, you can completely see – once you learn this information as a viewer about Ted and Michelle's marriage – you understand why Ted hates therapists so much? He
3: he was railroaded. He right in, in he believed he was being railroaded, and he was absolutely right.
4: Right. Well, and the first, I mean, the first time you watch this episode, you're like, "Holy cow, he is so mean to Sharon!" But then you watch it again, and you're like, "Sharon, you don't understand. <laughs>
3: yeah. You're going to learn. Yeah, why he it's is being
4: all like going to be revealed, and you're going to feel real bad. <laughs>
3: yeah." You're gonna feel real bad. Um, yeah. There's just uh, there's so much learning about this, like knowing what we know now about that whole situation with yep. the therapist and everything. It's just it makes things so much clearer
4: mm-hmm. and
3: helps you understand more. Yeah, why? You know, he is where it is, and I, the the point I was I was getting to earlier that I jokingly said I I would. You know, I don't want to say it because I'm going to spoil anything. When I mentioned how Doctor Sharon, like when you don't, you don't go through that amount of schooling and pay that amount of money to go through that amount of schooling to become a therapist, and not care. I was going to say, unless you're that therapist where you just do it to meet women.
4: Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so gross. So gross and unethical. It's just like he. Ted should have reported him. He should have lost his license. He Like, there's just so much that I wish would have happened as a result of this inappropriate relationship that happened.
3: Well, even so, like, even going back to, and this goes into the, the series finale, in that when they're at home, when Michelle and his son are at home watching the game, Mm-hmm. the the big game that they're, that Ted is they're all playing right. for it's the final game that Ted is coaching they're into the game and he is just in the background on his phone and every time it cuts to them he falls further and further, and further. back into the background right to the point where he's sitting at the bar like their home bar in the back just right. looking at his phone he cares nothing about the game
4: right and it show it really shows kind of he's only interested in Michelle yeah Probably not even interested in
3: uh, Henry. I don't think he is. I was just about to say the same thing. I don't even really think he's interested in Henry because why would you not take Henry along to Paris? Right. I mean, I I mean, I understand like you, you, you want to do trips with, you know, your significant other, but you're going that far away. Yes. It's an opportunity for Ted to spend with his kid to, to spend with Henry, but you know as somebody who's coming into the lives of this child mm-hmm. you want to spend you want this child to form a relationship as well
4: my head canon is still the same it's never going to change he took her to paris to propose she said no and their relationship changed after that i
3: agree with you on that yeah i am 100% agree with you on I,
4: that i don't need i don't need it to be validated i don't need it to be confirmed that's my head canon that's what happened
3: well because i i, I believe when Ted returns home that relationship is over over
4: i don't think that relationship that relationship was over when they got back from paris it was just michelle doesn't leave relationships we learned that because she didn't leave ted until she you know felt that she was going to be with someone else
3: yeah i don't think michelle and ted are back together but michelle and the doctor are done that that relationship this is where we We, disagree
4: we disagree on this i know
3: but But that's okay well, we'll see how we feel when we get to it, because maybe my opinion will change.
4: Yeah, I have one more spoiler that I wanted to okay. talk about, and that was Nate and his parents. I'm trying to see if I can find it, because I thought that I wrote it down. Well, I do. I do oh, right know. here. Okay. so. We we talked a lot about Nate trying to get his father to notice him and how his father's not noticing him when really we find out in season three, his father has been proud of him the whole time. He just mm-hmm. hasn't known how to do it. And all he wants is for Nate to be happy. Yeah. And he just goes about it the entirely wrong way.
3: I was going to say the same thing that there is a major breakthrough scene with Nate and his father in season three. And it really is a, it's a great scene because it really is a discovery of Nate at the same time. Like it's, it's Nate discovering himself because yeah. at that point he's left Rupert's team. He's living at home. He does have Jade. um, You know, he is in the relationship with Jade, which is something new to him, but we see that moment where he finds his violin and rediscovers his love of playing the violin. And which his is father comes
4: in to listen, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: And then we get that whole speech that you just mentioned about, like his father's always been proud. Yeah, he just wants him to be
4: happy. Right. And you then, know? um. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about with Nate was that um, Nate has his fifteen minutes of fame, like you were talking about. He's getting his fifteen minutes of fame. However, there's somebody, Rupert, that's watching all of this, mm-hmm. and Rupert sees an opportunity. Yeah. He sees an opportunity to destroy the club that he wanted back so desperately.
3: Well, because, yeah, you're right. He's watching and he sees this is a moment to use Nate's vulnerability against Rebecca.
4: And he does it gangbusters. Yeah. I, he really does. I mean, this he he proves that he is a mustache twirling supervillain. Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's pretty accurate. And I love I I love the fact that um you know, Anthony Anthony Stewart head is a great actor. I love Anthony Stewart had. I mean, I've loved him since like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Repo the Genetic Opera. Like he is a fantastic actor. And I love the fact that if you watch interviews with him once the show ended, he just loved being a part of, even though it was the villain, he just loved being a part of this show.
4: I would too. Yeah. Even if I got to be the coach that was fired wearing short shorts, I'd be like, I was on Lasso. Heck yeah, I was. I would. I uh, t- make me the ussy kid. Yeah, I'll be the I, ussy kid. I don't even care. I don't even yeah. care. I'll be the teacher. Can I get a ussy?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Miss Bowen, I love yeah. Miss Bowen.
4: Can I be Jeremy Baz or Paul, please? <laughs> I think they had the best role. They just got to sit there and just be dumb and cheering.
3: It's, it's fun watching them develop, too. especially
4: in the third season. Yeah. When Ted opens it up to everybody to watch practice and gets the community involved, this show goes to another level.
3: Well, not only that, and I know we're, we're still in spoiler territory, but the moment in Beard After Hours where Beard gives them, like says, go here and this per- tell this person, I said it's okay. And the place he sent them was to the pitch they walk through that back alley, and he lets them out onto the field to play. Like, that is such a great moment for those three. Because that's something you know they've only dreamed of.
4: And I got to tell you, if you're that loyal of a fan, and you are a regular at the same pub as the coaches, if you haven't gotten that opportunity, <laughs> something went wrong.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that's That's accurate um but that's everything i have for spoilers me too that was fun that, that was, was a fun. fun spoiler chat so welcome back to everybody uh for you know who avoided the spoiler territory as you just heard kristen say we actually had a lot of fun in that one it was fun spoiler uh, chat i actually think this has been a great episode so far
4: i because I, we're delving into the characters
3: yeah you're right and not rom-com instead. not rom-com
4: Let's no, try and put as many rom-com quotes as we can in one episode <laughs> oh. just to see if we could do it. Good Lord. All sorry. Right. Um, Okay, I'm done. Sorry, Jill. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I said sorry, Jill. <laughs> I heard Not you. you. <laughs> I don't apologize to you. <laughs> no,
3: I heard you. Um, so, yeah. So, let's dive into some of our favorite quotes in that I don't really have a lot. I, You know, I mentioned the one, you know, go fuck your cartoon rat. The only other one I think I like I wrote down that was darn Putin Vladimir Putin. That's the same one. <laughs> the only face I want to see from y'all is what Coach Game Face, baby, darn Putin <laughs> Val- Val- Vladimir Putin.
4: There's a lot of great one-liners in this episode, but it's like it's hooked on to the rest of the scene. You know, yeah. I was laughing so hard. Look, so every Sunday morning before we record. I always watch this episode in the family room. Well, Adam woke up before me and he took it over. So I'm in my (laughs) kitchen at the kitchen table with my iPad cracking up like real loud.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're right. There, there was there, there's a lot of one liners, like too many to even write down and they go by so quick. that It's kind of tough to keep track of them. Right. Where we, you know, whereas other episodes, we kind of get like great conversational quotes. This time, though, this was really the only one that, like, the moment I heard it, I was like, oh, that's going in.
4: Well, and I, my favorite line, and I told you of the whole episode is, I can't be your mentor without occasionally being your tour mentor. I'm going to put that in my classroom.
3: There's, there have been some really great quotes that have come out of this show. I told you in an off conversation that I, I want to get be curious, not judgmental tattooed. Like that, my, that's a tattoo I want to get.
4: My teacher friend who is in the next classroom over to me, she's the science teacher on my team. She has um on her board be curious, not judgmental. Mm-hmm. And it says underneath it, Ted Lasso. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Which and think, none of the middle schoolers get. That's just for us. <laughs> and I think it's been
3: proven that like that that it's not a Walt Whitman. Quote, like a a lot of people say it now because of Ted Lasso and they they uh, they credit Ted Lasso for the quote, but even in Ted Lasso, I think he says it's a Walt Whitman quote. And I think that's even been disproven that it's not a Walt Whitman quote. I quote, I could be wrong about that. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember the exact quote either, but there was a, a quote either last episode or the episode before when Ted sees Nate in the suit for the first time and he quotes about like the tailor. It was an Albert Einstein quote.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
3: But but there have been so many great quotes like that that have come yeah, out the of this series. What's that?
4: Where's the coffee table book?
3: I know. It's just... There is a... So I've actually looked into that there, to see if there were any, like, kind of books about Ted Lasso. And there is a book called, I think, like, The Ted Lasso Way. And it it's not... like None of the writers of the show wrote it or anything. It's actually, like, they're... Completely separate but it's more of like What they've taken from The show mm-hmm. yeah uh, and How they apply what they took from the show To real life uh-huh. which has made me Curious that I might actually read the book I might actually find it and, and pick it up and read it
4: Oh well, let me know if you find it
3: Okay and I know you can it get it on, Am- I can get it it. on Amazon um, That's really The only quote I wanted to make mention of Do better this episode Beard says um, do better I was looking through my previous notes to see if there were any other ones. And uh, I came across the fuck. You're amazing. Let's invade France. Let's invade France. (laughs) Uh, Any other quotes from you? No, I'm good. All right. Um, so then let's dive into the feedback from this week. And uh, we have a, quite a bit. And that's because apparently some people decided to play catch up with. with which some is adorable. People, which is great. I, I love it. And look, we've said that before, whether it's for previous episodes or the current episode. Always feel free to leave. Yep. Feel free to leave us feedback because we'll still play it. So and if you want to
4: send in a spoiler feedback, like let us know and we'll play it during spoilers.
3: Just, just put it in the notes. Yep. If you're emailing it to us, put it in the notes. This contains spoilers or put it in the body to say, hey, guys, this contains spoilers because ordinarily we don't read them or listen to them ahead of time. So if it does contain spoilers, that's fine. Just put it in there so we can read it ahead of time mm-hmm. so that we know to play it during spoiler territory and yeah. not during feedback. So uh, that being said, let's do some of the the catch up ones first, because we have. Two voicemails from previous episodes, and then we have. What are you shaking your head for?
4: Do you not want to do written first? You want to do no because that's first?
3: that's current.
4: Okay, I get, I get do, what you're saying.
3: Let's do the catch up first. Okay, <laughs> and then we'll do the um, the written. Uh, so yeah, so we have two voicemails, uh, and this first one comes from our friend Greg, who unfortunately I found out was sick with COVID. Which is why he, he he fell behind in his uh,
4: That's in the his time feedback. to watch stuff.
3: No, he fell behind in his feedback, I guess because it was hard to like speak oh, yeah. and actually
4: I get record. that. We had so, to skip a week because of my voice.
3: Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um so yeah, so that's um this goes back to Rainbow, which was two episodes ago, which I know Rainbow. is your your favorite Rom communism episode.
4: Yeah. Well I'm sure he's gonna shit on me the whole time. <laughs>
3: but we'll see. Uh, (laughs) I haven't listened to it, so we'll find out, Uh, but let's play that now.
2: Good morning. All right, so I know I'm a couple episodes behind, but this is Greg, and in the interest of time, I wrote a couple of limericks to uh, (laughs) highlight the plot of Rainbow, or at least a couple of them. All right, the first one. There once was a coach named Nate whose confidence wasn't so great. Ted's misstep was a laugh, undermining his staff. He finished next to Roy with such hate. Mm. Now on to Roy. <laughs> there once was a pundit quite fab, who loved his dunner kebab. Reba growled in glee, then unfucked his knee, then stood proudly like old have. <laughs> unfucked his and then knee. Then finally, rom coms are you know sometimes good, sometimes bad, and this kind of reflects that. Rom-coms can have quite a problem. Some are repetitive and ho-hum. But every once in a while, they can make you cry or smile and maybe pull you out of your bull- doldrum. All right. I uh, just want to call out a couple of callbacks and running jokes. Uh, obviously, the we get the end of the British owl joke. Whom. <laughs> um, then uh, Nate sits down and grabs Keeley's sharing pillow and holds on to it as he goes to talk about a big thing um, and then the constant and forever gifts versus gifs uh, anyway all right uh, I will see if I can get into the next one into the signal uh, and then maybe even the next one that's actually this week all right bye
3: <laughs> unfucked his knee that was my favorite part of the lyric yeah I forgot about the grabbing the the comfort pillow
4: no yeah they- I that was and- a good Good callback.
3: And Nate seemed to do it quite naturally. Like, he wasn't told to do it. He just did it.
4: Well, you know, Nate is somebody that needs to hide behind pillows.
3: This is true. Uh, But our next voicemail comes from our friend Steve, who... Uh, he he last week we recorded on saturday because sunday was your husband's birthday so we recorded a day earlier yep and i did put it in the social media post that we were collecting until saturday and steve missed it he thought it was sunday because that's when we usually record so he was a day behind but i told him go ahead and record it and send it to us anyway so he did so this is steve's voicemail for last week's episode the signal
5: Hello, Ben and Christian. This is Steve, and this is going to be for uh, Ted Lasso, season two, the single. Oh, Jamie made the pass to uh, Danny, nice. <laughs> Rebecca's mom and her boyfriend or li- whatever this guy Luke is. <laughs> I was born in 1970. I loved HR puffin' stuff. <laughs> Ted helping Higgins through the window. Oh, no, is he not going to come through the window? It's this <laughs> emergency meeting of the Diamond Dogs, and Roy refuses the invitation. Just saw the credit come up on the screen that Brett Goldstein wrote this episode. <laughs> Jamie doesn't know what Philistines is. <laughs> Rebecca's mom here at the table with uh, Keeley, Ted, and, and Rebecca telling her story of how she left her husband. She left the toilet without washing her hands. Ew. <laughs> okay, now I got the sound drop from uh, the bake-off. Uh, Strange indeed does. The <laughs> poor little cake, soggy bottom. Jamie agreeing to everything And Roy figured it out You're ugly with bad hair (laughs) Roy said a single, not the single But it counts in my book, Mic Drop Never read phone texts On the TV screen When they flash them up They just go too fast And I'm not, uh, I don't want to pause it I guess Ted did say the single So another mic drop I think Brick is gonna score from there. Oh, this <laughs> is the one where we see the anxiety attack on Ed on Ted. Ed. Oh, that's right. This is the Wonderkin thing. Wonderkid. Yeah, from Nate. I didn't remember this. <laughs> Oliver Twist is Jane's kink. Again, <laughs> yeah, I never can read these texts, but I'm sure this is this is where we find out that Obasanya is the one that she's bantering with. Right? Yeah. Oh yes. And Ted in in uh, Sharon's office, Doctor Sharon's office, and he
3: wants to make an appointment. Good for him. <laughs> he doesn't even conclude him now.
4: He yeah, just, I know. Like, or, he's he's done, like, okay, bye. See ya.
3: <laughs> but he did remind me, poor little cake. Soggy bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh all right. Now we're into uh feedback for this episode, Headspace. And why don't we start with the Facebook feedback all that right. we got for this episode?
4: I will start with. Whoops, wait, hang on. I went to the, ah, my phone is doing weird <laughs> things. Okay, got it. All right. We're <laughs> I good. will start with the email that apparently I couldn't find again. It's from Lindsay Schlick. Hello, Lindsay. I love it that she is regularly on, yeah. uh, on this podcast. It makes move me my joke. heart. So happy. Um, This is my very first rewatch, and I got to say, Nate is different on a rewatch. I think I was a little bit more forgiving of him when he first started becoming such a dick on first watch. But now that I know where it's going, everything he does drives me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. This was his worst episode yet. The way he treated Colin and Will was absolutely foul. The obsession with reading about himself just got gross. He's so pathetic. It makes me uncomfortable. To me, he's unredeemable. I wish Beard had done more. Nate wasn't just rude to Colin. He was terrible. I'm with Kristen when it comes to (laughs) rom-coms. Yuck. But I got to say, even with my dead black heart, what Roy did for Keeley was extremely sweet and the kind of rom-com I can deal with. Me too. I totally agree. I absolutely love that it was Jamie who inadvertently helped. Roy and Keeley. Yeah. If he had known, he wouldn't have said any of that.
0: <laughs> no,
3: <laughs> no. Nope.
4: Thank you, Lindsay.
3: Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I love that Lindsay is a regular now and leaves us feedback every week for the episode. We have a couple regulars now, which I, I absolutely love. Yes. Um, and on that note, uh, the next one we have is from Alex Kruger, who has become a regular for the past couple weeks. Uh, and it, rather than send in Facebook feedback this week, he actually recorded a voicemail for us. So let's
1: go ahead and play that now.
4: Yay. Hey,
1: team. This is Alex Kruger with feedback on Ted Lasso's Season 2, Episode 7, Headspace. For those keeping along with Coach Beard's book club, this week's novel was About a Boy by Nick Hornby. I am a massive Nick Hornby nerd and love many of the film adaptations of his books, such as About a Boy and, of course, High Fidelity. Uh, I highly recommend About A Boy, starring Hugh Grant, Nicholas Holt, Tony Collette, and Rachel Wise. Man, Beard has great tastes. (laughs) Uh, But I was so disappointed by how Nate was handled this week by the men he looks up to in life. First, his dad couldn't give him just a taste of approval for his major work accomplishment, even if he did impart some wisdom Nate needed to hear. Next, Beard called him out, but only told him to do better. He didn't ask why Nate was being so mean and weirdly personal. Maybe Beard didn't see that Nate's abuse of Colin was less than a one-off and more of a troubling pattern, but by not telling Ted what was going on when Ted specifically asks during Nate's apology, robs Nate of a chance of working through his issues. Instead, it keeps permeating and reaching its zenith when he berates the hell out of Kitman Will, a character who is as charming and lovable as Higgins. Ted and Beard are committing mentor malpractice with Nate this season, and I'm feeling more sympathetic to Nate's journey this time around, but we'll see how much that changes in a few episodes. (laughs) um roy reading the da vinci code absolutely cracks me up <laughs> i remember having the same no shit reactions when i first read it in high school um but can we all just take a minute and appreciate how much healthy masculinity roy has first he doesn't care that his girlfriend is talking about him behind his back even with jamie freaking tart in the room it shows just how comfortable he is with himself but he isn't too comfortable to change when he sees he needs to when he has the light bulb moment of practice and realizes what keely needed he made a change and got better You wouldn't think someone as gruff and content with themselves like Roy would challenge themselves to improve. That's why he's Roy freaking Kent. And lastly, as a follow-up to last week's conversation, uh, my favorite festival was 2008 (laughs) Vans Warped Tour up at Montage Mountain near Scranton. It was my first concert after turning 21. I was able to see the Gym Class Heroes, 303, and I was able to meet Say Anything, which is one of my absolute favorite bands in college. That's it for me this week. I am off to grab a box of tissues and watch Man City. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Thanks Alex, that was great. I loved that. Oh, I like his voice too. And thank you for actually answering our question that we put out last week about the festivals.
4: Yes, definitely.
3: Um Van's Warp tour. I don't think I ever saw a Warp tour.
4: I, I definitely I, I didn't. I... I went to Wango Tango. Anybody okay. from California knows what that means.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Don't know what that is. Uh, but thank you. Oh, we still have one more. We still have one more. Uh, we of course have feedback, uh, from our friend Steve for this week's episode, uh, Headspace. So we'll play that now.
5: Hello, Ben and Kristen. This is Steve. And this is going to be for, uh, Headspace. His mom decorated a box for him and he's just looking at it. I never got this whole thing. Isn't Wunderkind, isn't that Wonderkid in German? Just like, I, I never understood this part of the story. That is so uncomfortable trying to get comfortable. I forgot that he just walks out. Man, the jerky boys were a national treasure. <laughs> Higgins with the deep thought while Rebecca's trying to figure out how to answer Obasanya. It's just not enough scatting in TV today. <laughs> Nate just called Colin like a painting at a Holiday Inn. They, do they have Holiday Inns in the UK? I'm not aware of this. Beard just watched this exchange between Nate and Colin. I think Beard's getting worried. <laughs> Roy just walks in the room. You talking about me? Yes. I have never watched an episode of Sex and the City, just saying. Oh, I don't think either. I ever picked up on the announcers, the pundits in that Nate is listening to are saying that he should be coaching his own team. I never uh, didn't remember that. And, of course, now Beard's got to give him a talking to. Wow, Dr. Sharon opening up to Ted about uh, how she felt about what he said, but uh, it's interesting. Oh, I forgot about this moment, Nate apologizing to Colin and everybody giving him a big hug and Wow. I love Roy's whistle. Okay, is Jamie talking about football or is he talking about Roy and Keeley when he talks about somebody who needs some space? Again, I don't understand. Isn't Wonder Kid the translation of Wonder King? Or am I completely wrong? Now Nate's back to them thinking that they're making fun of him. Oh, what a sweet thing that Roy just did for Keeley with the bath and everything. Oh, hey, I can never read what text. Are, what was text was Nate just reading about while Will is whistling? Oh, and another Nate nastiness coming out right at the end. Talk to you later.
3: Um, I will answer one question that he posed. Uh, yes, there are holiday Inns in Europe.
4: And I'll I'm- answer another question. <laughs> Wonderkind means child prodigy one who succeeds in a competitive or highly difficult field or profession at an early age.
3: Yeah, I don't think it's like it means specifically. I mean, that is what a wonder kid is. But
4: But I don't know if that's wonder kind definition. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I just don't know if like wonder kid and wonder kind are the same. I mean, obviously they are, but I don't know if they developed from the same thing. I don't know.
4: There's a re- there's an entire Reddit post on it from two years ago called Wonderkind versus Wonder Kid in subreddit Ted Lasso. So of if you'd like to is. read that, go ahead and read that. It has <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. It has one hundred and eight comments.
3: Yeah. Um, have fun reading that on your own. Yep. Because <laughs> we're not going to. There you go. <laughs> Uh, but yes, th- there are holiday inns in Europe. I actually just Ho- looked it up. There, there are mo- quite a few, a actually.
4: Holiday Inn.
3: There's holiday inns in Germany, Belgium, Netherlands. Yeah, there's quite a few. That's Europe, too, not the UK. But I'm sure if they're in Europe, they're in the UK.
4: Yeah, I would right? agree
3: how many holiday inns are there in the uk there are a total of 601 holiday so inn locations a
4: few holiday yeah. inns not many
3: <laughs> 601 holiday inn locations in the united kingdom as of april 26 2023 wow. uh, so yes there are plenty of holiday inns in the in the uk uh, but thank you everybody for the feedback uh, as i mentioned before whether it's a you know our current episode or previous episodes please feel free we encourage you guys to leave feedback easiest way to do that just visit our website revisitedpod.com there you'll find links somewhere to listen subscribe uh, feedback or you can email us directly feedback at revisitedpod.com recommendations for this week anything from you i got one if you don't
4: Um, get caught up on the Bad Batch because it's coming. It's coming back, man. It's coming. And if you don't know what the Bad Batch is, you need to go and watch it because it's awesome. It's It's awesome. It's awesome.
3: It's so good.
4: So good. Um, I am so bummed that they're only doing three seasons. Like, Just so unbelievably bummed because it is one of it's up there for me with Rebels.
3: It's probably my favorite of the animated series. Well, it Rebels
4: really will always have my heart, but yeah. yeah. I mean, Bad Batch is about as close as it can get. Yeah,
3: it's so good.
4: And it's probably um, objectively better. It's just Rebels has my heart.
3: <laughs> I I have two uh, quick, uh, one quick, and then the other one I'll uh, maybe spend a minute on. But um, the first one, if you have the chance and you are still a person who goes to movie theaters to see movies, go and see Argyle. I went to an advanced screening of it last week, and I absolutely loved it. Don't listen to the reviews. Don't listen to the reviews at all. Don't ever I never listen
4: li- to reviews.
3: No. Be subjective and go see movies on your own. Don't listen. I, and I say this as a film reviewer. Like, I attend screenings all the time and put out reviews. But I always end my reviews with, be subjective and go and see the movie for yourself.
4: Yeah, go see it for yourself. Roger, uh, Siskel and Ebert gave Beauty and the Beast two thumbs down. Really? Yes. Look it up.
3: No, oh, I don't get that at all. Um, But if you are a fan of, like, the Kingsman movies, you will absolutely love this movie. Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard, like, are so good as the leads in this movie. I love Sam Rockwell. uh, He is so, I'm so happy that he finally got, like, a leading role in this movie. Because he always plays, like, these secondary characters. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and he's good at those too, but he is so good in this movie. He's funny, like he's a badass. Like I, I loved him. But this movie, Argyle is so good, it's spy, it's espionage, so there's twists, there's turns, it's just it's it like I've been itching for more Kingsmen for so long, and this movie scratched that itch.
4: That's awesome. Was great. I still haven't seen Kingsman. I need to. Any of them? None of them.
3: Because there's Kingsman, the Secret Service, Kingsman, the Golden Circle, and then The Kingsman. Which no, is the prequel to both. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. Um, But my other recommendation this week, I watched a documentary that I heard a lot about. And then when I watched it, it is some of the craziest shit I have ever heard of. It's, it's relatively new. There's a documentary on Netflix that just came out called American Nightmare. And it's about A kidnapping that happened in 2015 that everybody thought was a hoax that people had thought it was like a real life Gone Girl, oh, and and turned out to not be fake at all.
4: Oh, I hate that.
3: And it was discovered like almost like weeks later that it was
4: for real. Not
3: that that it was for real, and. Like they were ready to press charges against the, the the guy, the boyfriend and the girlfriend who was kidnapped because they thought the police in California thought they faked the whole thing. And then it turns out by happenstance that another city caught a guy and it tied completely into their story.
4: Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine going through something like that and being told that you're faking it? Yeah, it is. That is but Unrepairable. Irreparable psychological damage. Oh, they
3: sued the city for defamation. Um, And all the stuff I've told you is just scratching the surface of the story. It's a three-part series. They're 45 minutes each, so a little over, like, two hours to watch. Um, Well worth the time. Like, I couldn't stop watching. I was like, oh, like, this is the craziest shit of her and it's done well in that the first episode is done from the boyfriend's perspective of the person who was there when his girlfriend got kidnapped mm-hmm. the second episode is told from the girlfriend's perspective so she tells her accounts of being kidnapped and then the third episode is how everything comes together and they realize it wasn't a hoax it's crazy it's called American Nightmare it's on Netflix
4: I've just written it down and I took a lot of notes while you were so I'm excited <laughs> Um, any final notes from you? No. Nope. Thanks for listening. S- yeah.
3: So, with that being said, next episode, Man City. Oh, Yay! man. We're going to have a lot to say. I love
4: that episode.
3: About this episode. Uh, but as always, thank you for listening, subscribing, all that you guys do, being a part of this whole thing. But until next time, we'll see you guys out on the pitch. Take care.
4: Bye. Namaste. Bye bye.